Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We spoke today to Waldo Perez. He's the CEO of Neo Lithium. Uh, they've got a lithium play in the Lithium Triangle in Argentina. Uh, we found Waldo to be quite an interesting, uh, charming individual. Gives him a bit of an education about lithium carbonates. And if you want our thoughts on that conversation, and indeed what we think of the company, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club, where we've also got detailed company reports. We've got commentary from market experts from around the world on a variety of commodities. We've got training videos, we've got summaries of other interviews, and we've also got a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other. And if you go there now and sign up for the waitlist, you get a seven day free trial. Waldo, how are you doing, sir? Hello, Matthew. Very good, thank you. Fantastic. Okay, well, thanks for joining us. We've not spoken before. We haven't uh, caught up with this story, so I'm excited about that. But first of all, where in the world are you? I'm in Argentina. Argentina. Lovely. Beautiful. Beautiful country. Um, haven't been for such a long time. Hopefully, I'll get back there one day soon. It's good. How are things there, by the way? Is um, It's uh, difficult on the COVID. We are at the peak, as US or other countries were, like, back some months ago. We are now at the peak. Hopefully, we'll recede on the summer. Right. Okay. Okay. Good, good, good. And there's a picture of, I, I assume that's your own property behind you. Of course. That's uh, the ponds that we have built in our lithium solar. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, we're going to hear all about the story now. So, uh, But first of all, give me that one minute overview of what uh, Neolithium uh, is, and then I'll pick it up from there. Neolithium is a company that is developing the 3Q project, the project that we discover. We stake, we develop. Um, right now, is um, in only four years, we took it from discovery to pre-visibility stage. Uh, is the second highest grade project worldwide that is not in production. Is the seventh biggest lithium project in the world, located in the lithium triangle. This project um, is heading to final feasibility. Our company have secured a major. Um, a major strategic investor, which is CATL, the largest battery manufacturer in the world. And together we are completing the final feasibility study to put the body in production. Fantastic. Thanks, Thanks Waldo. I appreciate that. Um, lithium space, lithium market, particularly tough over the last three years. Um, I know you've been advancing things and you've got cash, enough cash in the bank to move things forward. But what's, what's your take of what's going on? Are you guys going to be able to make it over the line? Oh, absolutely. And actually, I think um, there is already signal, signals that are absolutely clear that uh, the market has co- crossed the bridge. Um, actually, just today, lithium carbonate prices have increased in China. I check that every day and has been increasing in the last uh, 30 days approximately. So very importantly, there is an issue that happened. As, as probably uh, your audience know, uh, there is two sources of lithium, lithium carbonate and lithium hydroxide. Or these two elements, lithium carbonate and lithium hydroxide, are used in different types of batteries. But in December last year, um, in China, uh, large companies, including CITL and BYD, have developed a new carbonate-based battery, which is what we will be producing in our project, that has a very significant cost advantage. It's about half the price with about 80% of the performance of the hydroxide batteries. So I will put it in one sentence. If you want a you know, $100,000 car, you are probably going with an hydroxide battery. 
But if you want electric car, obviously I'm talking about. If you want a, a, a car that is uh, $25,000, you have to go with a carbonate battery today. So that is creating a very strong change in attitude towards projects like ours that uh, produce carbonate. But what do you do with, the, like you've got people at SQM, another cheap producer of carbonate, yeah. who are yeah. just like flooding the market at the moment with carbonate. Are you saying that uh, the market needs more than even SQM can supply at the moment? Uh, yeah, I will give you just uh, one number. Listen, today the market is 350,000 tons of lithium carbonate equivalent per year. We use the word equivalent when we add together hydroxide and carbonate just to have a unit, okay? So 350,000 tons a year are produced in the world by all companies, SQM and everybody else, okay? Now, with the current rate of penetration of electric cars that we have today, you keep that line, and in the year 2030, you need 1.3 million tons of lithium carbonate per year. That is, you need more or less to quadruple production, quadruple production to keep current demand in the next 10 years. You know very well that to quadruple production. So every mine that you know today, every SQM, you have to multiply by four in only in only uh, 10 years. Now, Tesla announced two weeks ago that they need for themselves double than that amount. So they are so optimistic on their own market that they claim they will consume more than the entire world will consume, double actually, in 10 years. That means that if you agree with uh, Mr. Elon Musk, uh, the world will actually need to multiply production by eight. Within that world, answering your question, SQM produced 20% of the lithium of the world, which is about 60,000 tons. There is no way, we are talking about millions of tons here. So yes, there is a very huge demand in front of us. Right, and we hear that from every commodity, every company we speak to about supply, demand, economics, you know, in the future, 2030, 2040. It's such a long way away. Regular investors, they're looking at the market now. You've got people like Elon Musk, who you're quoting, saying, Lithium's bountiful. It's everywhere. He's just gonna done a deal with Piedmont on on spodumene. Um, the I'm looking at your share price. You know, you're 110 million uh, Canadian, right? Um, there's no recognition in the marketplace for lithium companies at the moment. Hasn't been for about three years. Why do you think that is? Because everyone's saying your story. Everyone's saying what you're saying. We're going to need to quadruple. We're going to need to need more. Market doesn't care. There are pro lithium projects not being fine. I know you guys are good. You got what, about 35 million bucks in the bank? Yeah. And so that's going to get you over the line. But a lot of your competitors who are going to need to get into production according to the demand numbers you're, you're throwing at me, they're not getting financed for something as simple as a $10 million pilot plant. What's happening? Uh, well, first of all, what I just said before, the market is turning, starting about December last year. So that is not enough time, particularly taking into account the pandemic of the world for the market to realize. That's that's one point, okay, one data point. In the previous two years, the world went to hydroxide. And when you see the hydroxide world, hydroxide is produced mostly in Australia, and the source is not liquid or brine like I have at the back there, it's hard rock. 
and is a mineral called spodum. Um, when you actually look at the, the deals done in the last two years, there was significant recognition for spodum and companies, and there were very significant deals done. Uh, and just to quote, you know, there was Albermer purchased a mine for a billion dollars and so on. So what happened is what I described before. Uh, first of all, the hydroxide is uh, produce a very good battery, but need to be combined with other elements like cobalt, for example, that are very difficult to get, and they are only sourced in Congo uh, at a very uh, at a human cost that uh, that is uh, it's not appropriate, um, and and it's much more expensive. What is going on with the carbonate-based batteries is that they got to a technology or to a, a recent technology that really is changing that. So there is going to be a time uh, for the market to recognize that. And actually, this is uh, the reason of, of my call. But it's very interesting that the industry react faster than the market. And the industry, that is CATL, acquired, for example, uh, you know, 8% of our company for 30% premium over the market, uh, 30 days VWAP. So very clearly for them, uh, you know, it was uh, a good opportunity and they, they, they very clearly need to be enriched. And this is a battery company. This is not a miner. They honestly, they are not much interested in the mining aspect of this. They created a $2 billion fund destined to improve their supply chain upwards because they know that the supply chain upwards for them is in trouble and they need to put money into that. So maybe the market today uh, doesn't yet get this, but uh, the big companies are absolutely needing and desperate for uh, for, for good lithium supply. For sure. So Argentina, conventional money is nervous about Argentina, doing business in Argentina. Okay, there's too much politicking, there's too much uncertainty. There are some better states than others to do, to do business for sure. China seems to be the only game in town. And if China's the only game in town, where do you get the competitive tension? How do we drive your share price? Um, well, uh, the, my share price is probably not getting uh, influenced by, by CATL or, or my partner itself. Uh, my shareholders are, uh, just to have an idea, you know, large investment funds as well as retail. Okay? So this is on one half. On the other hand, the um, uh, you're right that Argentina is, is, is in dire straits. I mean, Argentina really is in trouble and it will continue to be in troubles for the next you know, year, two years or three years. But let's remember that there are two mines in construction in Argentina. One is done by Lithium Americas in Jujuy province and the other is done in the province where we are operating, which is uh, Catamarca province by Galaxy, which is a smaller plant, but this is still a mining construction today. Uh, also, the province where we operate, Catamarca, has the other largest lithium producer of Argentina, which is Livent, which is American, and they are actually in production. So Argentina, uh, I would say the following, the only investment going on in Argentina today is mining, like literally, and probably lithium mining, okay? So uh, the government takes, shall I say, take care of us very well, because if we are not there, there is then literally nobody there, okay? Um, but Argentina is in trouble for a variety of issues. As I say, including COVID with a very extended quarantine that uh, didn't have the effects that uh, 
the government expected to have. Okay, so there is going to continue to be problems uh, in the in the local economy and, and the devaluation of the peso in the time to to come. Okay, so Argentina is going to experience some troubles for the next two three years, but not for miners. No, not significantly. There is all, when you operate with a country that has problems, you also carry some of the problems. But there, you you have a you have a, a we ha- we don't sell something in pesos, okay? So we uh, our operational cost is in pesos that gets devaluated, but that's our operational cost. Uh, we we are actually selling a product that will be in dollars, and we are also getting a, you know our investment, our capital expenditures will be in dollars eventually. So I'm not saying that it's neutral. There is always an effect. Uh, but uh, but it's not a, it's not a very large negative effect, right. not large enough to discourage us. Anyway. Okay, so let me come back to that competitive tension question, which is you've got CATL in there, battery company, yeah. not a minor battery company, yeah. significant name to have in there, and they've taken up eight percent. I think they bought in at eighty four cents, which was great. They paid a premium at the time, um, but that's just option money for them. Right. So how tied in are they? What do you, what do you need to deliver for them to stay involved? Okay. Well, let me tell you then a little bit of the story of this. Uh, so, so your audience have a better understanding of this deal. Last year, like approximately almost exactly one year ago, we completed the pre-feasibility and we hired Bank of America to run a process that went on invitation only. We didn't want an open process. We want an invite-only process to actually join forces with us to develop, to finish the feasibility study and build the 3Q project. In that process, we had nine bidders. And from the nine bidders, we got five bids. None of them was from CATL. None of them. When we got... Uh, we were analyzing the, the bits, CATL knocked the door and say, okay, we, we want to, to be here. And we obviously opened the door to them. We obviously say, see, sí, yes, of course. I mean, great. But then March, the pandemic became global. Let's remember that first was in China, then something happened in Italy, and we were like, uh, we went to PIDAC in Canada, everything went normal as business, but uh, normal as usual, but then, then pandemic. When the pandemic strike, our original bidders, the five bidders, that we had to take a decision on, and we said, like, okay, all of them went like, oops, wait, wait a second. We got pandemic here. We don't know what's going to happen. Then our friends at CATL took advantage in a very good, positive way and say, we offer you something. They couldn't, they were unable to visit the project because of the pandemic, Argentina lockdown. So they were not able to visit the project. And they said, look, I mean, we want to give you a bid for developing the entire project, but you know, we can't even finish feasibility study here. So this is what we offer. Uh, we will pay for the full feasibility study. And, uh, and we basically have a seat there to, to see. And of course, we want to be sure that the technology and all the the process that we are actually doing actually works and is is is, is a validation, you know, validation money, validation investment. And we thought about it because 
we really wanted to finance the whole project. But this deal was the best deal that we could do to actually get this project done. And at pandemic time, this is exactly what, uh, what can be done. So this very, very clear, very open, you know, uh, negotiation and, and discussion led us to the current situation. We do not yet, you know, we do not compromise our, uh, our offtake because we own the project. They are equity shareholders. We have all the degrees of freedom to do whatever we want. And we will be very honest and we will work with our current uh, partner, CATL, to build the mine together. But we can still entertain ourselves with other options. We have all degrees of freedom to do whatever we want to do. And at the same time, they are paying for 100% of the, of the project all the way to final feasibility. So I think it's the best strategy at current time. Yeah, it's very difficult timing, and that, that's it's kind of interesting that the other five sort of step back uh, very, very quickly. Um, so they've got, so, um, so CATL have got a board seat. Um, have they got any rights? No, other than the board seat. Just that, so they no don't rights. have a fair, Okay. No right, no first right of refusal, no exclusivity, exactly. Which lead us to do whatever we need to do to develop the project. So you feel that this, and I, I talk about competitive tension because I think it's really important for sort of driving the value of the company up, okay? Yes, so I when you've got, say, yeah. right? So when you've got yeah. one Chinese company in there and Argentina seems to be exciting for Chinese, but not too many other people because that no, you, you know, five of your uh, original bidders stood back at this point, right? They're a bit nervous about Argentina, they're a bit nervous about COVID, a bit nervous about lithium. So, you know, it reduces the number of options to you, doesn't it? When the five bidders are still there and uh, we keep discussions with them. So, no. Um, now, having said that, far beyond doubt, uh, any bidder will know that we'll have to do better than CATL. Okay? So, obviously, that is... A, that is a point of advantage. That's why CATL does the deal, you know, because then they feel that they have the door, the, sorry, the foot in the door, as uh, the old salesmen used to do. Okay, um, so let's stick with the Argentina bit as well. Infrastructure, for instance, where you are, you're quite high, you're quite remote. How, you know, is, is that going to be factored into the feasibility study? You know, and even a pre-fees, but isn't this? You talk about being the lowest cost, right? You're yes, very low yes, cost, right? So can, yes. can you actually deliver that? Oh, yes. Uh, so let me let me go first to the infrastructure. Um, the project, depending on the perception, is not really remote. It's actually a few kilometers away of producing mines in Chile. Okay, It's near the border with Chile, and we are in a highway that cut across. And you can look at it in our website. The highway cut across from the Pacific port to the Argentinian railroad line that goes to the Atlantic port. So, so, and we have already built a, a road that uh, we go from the mayor town to the project in a couple of hours. So, actually, that, that's really not remote. It is elevated. It is high in elevation, just to say, also, La Paz, the capital of, of, of Bolivia, is high in elevation. I mean, this part of the world, everything is high in elevation, the Puna Plateau called. 
uh, and all lithium mines are at the same elevation, you know, about 4,000 meters elevation. Uh, in that sense, uh, in terms of remoteness, this is absolutely not the most remote project. It's, it's actually less remote than, than most of the others, on one hand. On the other hand, uh, talking about the operational cost, yes, this is one of the lowest operational cost projects in the world. So let me explain the operational cost because it's very important and it's not obvious. When, when you are talking about brine, you are talking about mining, but you are really extracting a liquid. Uh, and this is extremely cheap. So the extraction part is, I would say, irrelevant in all lithium projects. You just pump it. I say irrelevant, but not quite, because it depends on the productivity or the porosity of the salar. So some salars have low productivity. And a good example is, for example, the Olaros project owned by Orocobre that requires many, many wells to actually extract the brine. The brine doesn't flow because of the porosity. In our project, uh, it is a super productive uh, uh, salar that in four or five wells is enough for the whole production. But this is a minor part of the cost. The real operational cost in brines is settled in two aspects that are very, very important to understand. The first is grade. The lower the grade, the bigger the ponds, the ponds that you have there. But it's logarithmic. It's logarithmic. It's not direct. That means, just to give you an example, that when you are below 400 milligrams per liter, you need areas that are so big that they become impossible to do. When you are in 200 milligrams per liter, it becomes silly. It becomes like, oh, you need the whole province to actually be flooded with brine to be evaporated. So, so that is why you will see that in the market, some people are talking about other technologies because the current technology cannot do it. This is another story to talk. So one point is grade. The higher the grade, the lower the pond. The pond, have at the back, is 50% of the capex, okay? So you have lower ponds, or actually higher grade, lower pond. Now, let's go to the next point, which is fundamental when you are evaluating a lithium brine project. Impurity, but warning, warning side. I'm not talking about impurity of the final product. I'm talking about impurity on the original brine, okay? So just for people to understand, there are many natural resources that when they contain some impurity, the ore or the product that you want to extract become very difficult to treat. I will give you a couple of examples. In gold, arsenic and mercury are negatives because they are environmental challenges and it's a big issue. In iron, silica, for example, is also a big issue because they damage the, 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 the oven and these things. Uh, in zinc, selenium, and so on. In lithium, the two elements that are the killer elements are very common in nature, magnesium and sulfates. Magnesium and sulfate in brines kill your lithium brine project, okay? So I give you an example. In about 1,000 salars, these salt flats that you have in the Puna Plateau, 1,000, well over 900 of them contain so much magnesium and so much sulfate that it is more expensive to extract the lithium from it than leave it in the ground. So those two elements are 
critical. People usually don't ask, but when you hear somebody saying, I have a lithium project, you have to say, you have a lithium project. Great. How about the magnesium? How about the sulfate? Okay. Now, our project is the lowest magnesium and sulfate project in the world, including producing mines, like, for example, uh, SQM and Albermer and, and Leven and so on. So that is the secret of our low operational cost, because those impurities need to be removed. And there is a variety of ways to remove it, but all varieties include money at one point or another point, okay? So when you say, why neolithium produce or claim to be able to produce lithium at lower cost? Because it has the lowest impurity content or critical impurity content in the world. So it's less work, less money, but it's still technical. I mean, brines are quite a technical product. So talk to me about your experience. I know you're, you've been involved in the past with Lithium Americas, but I want to understand it because our research says that your team is very, very technical and very good, well-respected. So yes. give me that history. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, the first lithium project uh, we discovered and developed was Cauchari. And uh, we put together a team back in 2008. We created the company. I am the founder of Lithium Americas, actually. And we took that project from 2008. I personally, I worked there until 2013 uh, as president CEO and, as I say, founder of that company. And we left that project at final feasibility. Uh, pretty much the same technical team that developed and put that project in final feasibility. Today, just for the people that doesn't know, it's a mining construction. And I'm very proud and very, very glad that the mine is being constructed. Uh, today, we, we, we took the same technical team that, that developed that and is our own company now, it's Neolithium. And we discover also and develop that. So notice that we, I, we take great pride on that. I'm saying like we, we discover. It's not an old project that somebody else have tried before and didn't work. And no, 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 this is a true discovery. And Lithium America was a true discovery. Not, not the first one, because I worked before in discoveries with other assets, including gold and, and, and diamonds. Some of them are mines in production and some are mines that have closed already. Look at how old I am. <laughs> but anyhow, for the Lithium story, it started back then. And, and yeah, we know, we know very well Lithium. We know very well the territory, Argentina, Chile, Bolivia, and so on. Uh, and I think that this is a great project. Lithium Americas is also a great project, by the way. It's very good. Yeah, okay. Um, but talk to me about the technical difficulties that you do, you do have. I know you've learned some stuff. You've got, it's a great track record. That's what we were told. Um, but what are your technical challenges with regards to the brine here? Because it's not all plain sailing. No, actually, this is important. Each brine uh, is processed slightly different. Okay, when we talk about what we call conventional, conventional is what you see at my back, cones. Let's go to the concept. The concept is that you take a liquid that contains some lithium and hopefully not too much sulfate and magnesium. But the liquid also contains other elements. The most regular, these are called salars because they are made out of salt, sodium chloride, the one that you use in the table. Or they sell from Himalayas at you know, hundreds of dollars a kilo. This is exactly the same thing, sodium chloride. So really, these brines are mostly sodium chloride. Sodium chloride is an element that is not, it's, it's neutral to lithium. 
So you let it evaporate, sodium chloride precipitate, and lithium stays in the liquid. This is something also that the audience need to understand because it's not obvious. The game is not to precipitate the lithium. The lithium needs to stay in the liquid. What you want to do in this game is to leave everything behind as crystals, and you are jumping, I will move from pond to pond to pond to pond, and as you go in the smaller ponds, the smallest are down there, right there in my picture there, those smaller ponds are the ones that concentrate the lithium. More or less, every 100 liters of brine, you produce one liter of lithium-rich brine, okay? Once you have that, technically speaking, it's relatively straightforward. I don't like to say easy because nothing is easy, but it's relatively straightforward to take that lithium in the brine and produce lithium carbonate. There are other, you can also produce lithium hydroxide. It becomes more complex later on, but, but it is more laboratory issue. Instead, here is nature. And this is very important. For example, if you have this project, but you're in China, well, in China, every now and then, I mean, every year, the monsoon and so on rains. And if it rains here, guess what happened with your brine that were concentrated there? It gets diluted, okay? So you need to know very well the weather pattern. And that's why the year one, we arrived there. I arrived there first time, December 2015. Uh, actually, I arrived there with my son and one helper. Uh, and that was the entire discovery team. One helper and my son and me. Uh, and actually, three months later, we already installed there a $100,000 weather station. You go like, what? Before drilling? Yeah, before drilling. Because if I don't know my weather, it doesn't matter everything else. And uh, now we have four or five years of, of recording, uh, how do you say, recording uh, weather, and it's critical. Uh, in our case, our challenge was calcium. This is the only rich calcium project worldwide. Now, calcium as sodium chloride is neutral to lithium. Precipitate and lithium doesn't go with the calcium. This is very important. It's not the case as sulfates. Magnesium sulfide precipitates, sequester the lithium, and you lose, you get to a concentrated liquid that doesn't have lithium, and you're in big troubles. So you need to remove them before. Um, we have some special treatment for the calcium because we use concentrators and other technology that we had to develop to take it out uh, physically, not chemically. It's because you just want it out in the final uh, brine. But other than that, uh, the project is very straightforward and proven because we already produce battery-grade lithium carbonate in our pilot uh, plant in the site. Right. What does CATL looking from this? They've got this option money in. They've got 8% of the company today. You've got a bunch of cash. You're going to deliver. You know, they've effectively paid for the feasibility study. But at the end of this, you're going to say, right, here's what we've got. They go, great, that matches our brief. So what, what, yes. what is the brief? What, what do they want from you? No, no. Uh, they, 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 they want to be sure. I mean, and, and I hate to say that. I, I would refer it to, to the general mining industry. I know, and this is your job, to identify the good and the bad. Not everybody that goes through this conference ends up building a mine. Okay? Mining projects fail. Mining projects fail. And if a shareholder is thinking about an investment, and he's risking a few thousand dollars, it's an issue for him, 
Imagine the millions and millions of dollars that bankers and companies like CITL and actually large investment groups like BlackRock or Fidelity or just name the large, you know, they need to be sure. So the only way or the way to be sure is to be sitting there and monitor the whole, the whole process. On top of that, getting the final product is very important. I also say to everybody, guys, when somebody is showing you a lithium project, ask, but were you able to produce lithium carbonate? And where did you do it? In a lab in Canada, and you produce it two grams, or you did it on site with local people with the technology you claim you're going to be doing? This is what makes the difference, okay? It's easy to take, as Elon Musk say, <laughs> a piece of rock from Nevada and say, oh, I can take lithium out of that. Yeah, and you can do it in a lab. Sometimes it requires 3,000 degrees temperature or it requires 500 atmospheres of pressure or things like that. Oh, very easy to do in your lab, but you can't do it on the site or it has environmental concerns that are going to make the process absolutely undoable. So all these are the details where the devil hides and cannot be done on an overview or on a PowerPoint. It has to be done on site. Okay, but the question is, the question was, is what at the end of this process, at the end of this feasibility study for CATL to continue working with you, maybe even put more money in, what are you going to need to deliver other than the feasibility study? It's got to be conditional, right? It's got to be conditional. It, yeah. can't, it can't just be, there's a feasibility study. It's not very economic, but hey, we didn't talk about that. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Well, by the way, no, just to, 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 to give a, just a, of a hint, uh, this project has an internal rate of return of 50%. Okay. Um, this project, uh, it's, it's about a billion, $1.2 billion uh, MPV, but the internal rate of return is amazing. Uh, this is a question very important, part of our discussions with our strategic partner, you know. Uh, the question is, uh, what do they want? And I ask that question. Do you want, for example, a larger project? Because our resource and reserve is so large that we can do with production very easily. But of course, when you double production, you double your capex. So it's more difficult to actually get the money. And it's also technologically more challenging. It's easier to grow. And this project all grow. When you see SQM and uh, everybody started in one size and keep growing higher. This is the normal way to do it. So uh, they are very interested in the internal rate of return, in, in, the, in, in being economic. This is very important for me because our interests are aligned. So they will want to know that our economics continue to be as good as, or nearly as good as, the pre-visibility, okay? I'm expecting that it will be the same or better, but you never know. You need to finish there. We have to be within the same order of magnitude, okay? That's one. The other is the quality of the final product. And this is something that the audience need to understand. And it's not easy to understand. When you sell gold and you say, you know, Barrick gold is as good as, I don't know, Newmont gold. I mean, who cares? It's gold. Lithium carbonate is not. Is not. And this is not easy to understand. When you produce your product, you have impurities. And each salar or each source, because it could be not a salar, it could be a spodum and it could be a rock, has inherent impurities. And these products are sold usually a rate that goes from 99.2, 99.3 to 99.6, 7, 8% purity. 
But that's not the problem. The problem is what the impurity is. If you have very small amounts of, just to say, iron, oh, it's a disaster. So you could have 99.9% purity, but the zero one is iron and your product is worth nothing, okay? So more so when the, the lithium carbonate that goes into the battery has to have some specifications, not only of purity, but of size and sphericity, roundness, how round your, 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 uh, your particle is. And all that goes into the certification of the product. So you are a battery company, like our partners here, and you sign a, an agreement with Tesla, as they did, to build the Tesla car with a carbonate-based battery, carbonate, okay? And with a new technology, because they are using a new technology now, and the specs of the carbonate are unique, are very important, are very important. So that's what we need to do. We, as a producer or a future producer, need to match that spec, of course, with economic benefit, right? You can always match a spec, but match the spec with the right economic benefit. And they need to be sure that they can acquire the product at a reasonable price, but match their spec. And matching spec is the most important point. Okay, so the, the, the terms that you've agreed are about, yes, the IRR, always important, that's why we're in business, but the spec is something that they would need to work to or you need to be able to deliver for them to be able to sell on to their partners, whether it be a Tesla or, or otherwise, right? Okay, Un understood. So everyone knows what they're getting it, what they're in bed for, right? You, you know why you're in bed together today. Yeah, 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 of course, of course, of course. Supply quality and price. Okay, got it. Um, brilliant. Um, talk to me about the management team. And you, obviously, you know, you, you've been driving this. I mean, you're a big shareholder? I'm the largest individual shareholder, like personally. There are bigger individual shareholders, but they are only institutions. Right. Okay, fantastic. And the management team as well, they, they're all buying? Oh, yeah. Are you all buying shares? Yes. You're all involved. You're all invested, right? Yeah, absolutely. Good. Actually, management is buying into... The, the, the deal with CATL, also paying 30% premium on, on the 30 days they work. Right. So at the moment, do you feel you're kind of suffering from a market malaise? How do, you, how do you drive more speculative buying? How do you get people interested in this again? Well, telling the story. But quite honestly, I should tell you, um, we are a very technical team. So, so when you, you go like, okay, these guys are so technical, but well, maybe we haven't been promoting too much or we haven't been, yeah, maybe. We also have very large institutions that, that, that support us, but you know that large institutions do not drive the price. They actually acquire a portion and they sit on that. So now we are entering into a new time. Think, think about this. We financed this project to in total, about, if I recall correctly, about 90 million Canadian dollars in total. I'm talking about from the very beginning before listing to the end. Okay, so we have we still have uh, thirty something million dollars, and then we will get the investment from. from so we are very well financed company. Okay, um, so so we were not concerned, and, and I always think that the the price of of a company fix itself when actually the news come out, and, and when you actually get to sign a deal with the largest battery manufacturer in the world, well, we are probably the only 
deal signed this year. Okay, so so and and, and look at with who. So it, I couldn't be better, really. Uh, and now is the time. So now is the time where actually a, a smaller shareholder can benefit because it's the time to step in before the the stock you know gets to other prices. And also be aware of the carbonate prices because they are growing day by day. Um, and, and even though today doesn't look like very much, that's the way it started. Back in 2015-16, the price started to, to creep up. It went from $5,000 to $25,000 a ton. Okay? So watch out. Right now, the price in China is about $7,000 and it's creeping at the rate of around $200 or $100 a day. So watch out with that. Okay, is CATL your your final and only partner in this? I mean, I know you've got they haven't got rights. You've got a hundred percent control of three Q and the offtake, etc. But what was the reality of this? What what are we going to be looking at in in two years time, three years time? Is it more, more Chinese partners, or do you need to try like come back to this competitive tension? How do you, how do you drive this thing? Because it kind of feels like when the Chinese get involved, you get out of control. <laughs> no, that's a good point. And, and this is going to be something that needs to be discussed. I don't know the future, but let me let's analyze together. You know the situation. CATL is a miner. Mm. Do they want to be miners? Mm. You know, uh, they are battery makers. Actually, probably the best battery makers in the world with their own technology and all that. They love their business. They are great. They are not miners. Okay. So I tell you what, uh, I really think that these guys are going to help us to build this uh, in many, many ways. Technologically for the final product, money as a direct investor. No, but it is feasible that other investors step in. And actually, it may be a valid, a valid solution too for everybody. What I have no questions is that this is going to be a mining production. There is no way that this is not a mining production. Okay is the best project by any angle, great uh, size, internal rate of return, impurities, location. So, so everything aligns. Of course, I don't know the future. And not necessarily, this means that I will give an example. CATL need to buy the project. Maybe they do, but perhaps not. Because again, I mean, they need somebody that actually run the lock, the project and locally in Argentina deal with, I'm Argentinian, deal with the authorities, permits and everything else, okay? So I think that there are many ways that this will unveil, but for certain, uh, this will be built. By the way, when, when we did Lithium Americas, I had the same certainty. And, and actually, certainly at the time, the, the, uh, back in 2013, the, the timing was no good. It was really difficult, you know? And, all lithium companies were in big problems until 2015 that the prices started to increase again. So, you know, things uh, and eventually unveiled. Good projects always get built, always. Okay. If you don't mind, let me just kind of finish off with this because um, I get that you're a technical team. We did our homework. We know that you're technical and you've done a really good job of explaining it. And you're very local. There's so many things to like about this project. The bit I guess that's unclear here is CATL, battery company, love it. They're not miners. You're a technical team. Who's the person or how do you as a board 
kind of get the institutions involved with this. I don't mean the institutions are just going to sit there passively. I'm talking about bringing money in, which is going to get you noticed. Because you'll be a mine, great. But sometimes people become miners and they're just throwing off cash. No one cares. It's, it's really weird. <laughs> but it happens a lot, right? You just, they're quiet, cautious companies and no one cares. Um, even though they're throwing off cash, they're, they're, they're ca- they've got more cash than the, their, their market cap. You know, it happens. I'm just trying to, how do you not, don't, I'm not interested in you like telling the story more and more to the marketplace, but you got to bring in a big strategic partner here. One, would you agree with that? And two, who would that be? Um, no, I, I think depending what the word the strategy is, the strategic partner is really CATL, which is the final buyer and is the guy who, who will actually require. Perhaps the question is, how do we do this? Because there is several ways to do it. I give you one, one option. CATL acquires a portion of our project along with um, um, an off-tech. If you ask CATL what is what they need, they need lithium. In other words, they don't need companies. They need lithium. So this is my bargain power. I will give you my lithium. You can acquire a portion of our project, and we will be fully financed. Uh, as a matter of fact, under because of the low capex requirement of this project and our very good uh, position uh, in cash, actually this project requires, relatively speaking, uh, low cash. And actually, it's one of the lower cash requirements in any lithium project. That is because, remember, of the grade, high grade, lower bonds. That is lower capex. So, um, so uh, we have our part. Now, are they going to finance 100% of this project? I don't know. I, I can I can give you you know so oh yes no I don't know so that means that there may be other groups stepping with us yeah that's a possibility actually that's part of the conversation okay are we going to finance this entirely in the market as a stock I wish not because as a larger shareholder I want to dilute this as little as possible to drive this, the price of the stock up as much as possible so my challenge is to build this mine without dilution now of course. This is a difficult challenge, and there is always a possibility of some dilution. But there is going to be more news coming in terms of developing and in terms of uh, financing. Because the next question here is to get the $320 million that I require. That's the point. That's my whole point here. And why I'm asking you this now is because earlier on you said the uh, CATL uh, are looking at the, the return, the IRR. They care about this. I'm like... Not as much Why? as getting the offtake, it seems to yeah. me, right? Yeah. That would be the logical first go-to thing that I think they would care about. So I, I guess the question I'm asking you is, are you a technical team or are you a commercial team? Because you, constructing those contracts, those deals, those agreements takes a certain skill set. I know you've been around the block in, oh, in, yeah. in Lithium for a long time, yeah. right? But And by, by strategic partner, I'm not referring to market strategic. I'm talking about financial strategic partner. He can get you the best possible deals going and give you come back to that competitive tension. I keep banging on about it. But because yes. yes. otherwise right now for CATL, it's a shoe-in. They've got you. They've got you where they want, yeah. and they're going to do things cheap. And they're and they've got a bit of a reputation for being good negotiators in the marketplace. Okay, let's let's not kid ourselves. So, are you in a position, or are you going to be able to put yourself in a position to be able to of strength where you can negotiate properly with them? That's the big question of this yeah. interview. That's a very good question. Um, we discussed. Well, remember that we we're using Bank of America, which has a very good team helping us on that. And so far. 
in the first round of the game, I have done pretty well. I gave up nothing and uh, they they purchased shares at a premium. So I still have all my firepower to go. Now, uh, they care about the IRR because they are interested in acquiring at least a portion of the project. And the price that we put at the portion of the project is going to tell you uh, if I'm going to be fully financed or not. Just to say, just I'm just throwing numbers here in a very easy and silly example for uh, to understand. If I sell half the, pro half the project for $160 million, I am fully financed. Uh, they have to put the other 160 for their half, and there you go, mining construction. That would be easy, uh, and that would be uh, a good a good point of view for me. Um, but I do not close the door to only be with CITL. There is going to be others. That's why I didn't give them first right of refusal. They didn't give them exclusivity of any kind. So our doors are open. We still continue. Uh, and, and, and perhaps I got what I wanted. I wanted the, the certification, the final, the final, you know, the, the final product, how it needs to be done for the next, whatever, you know, years to come. Because again, the parameters of the product are changing because of the quality of the batteries. And every producer will have to adjust their production lines and their cost to the new parameters. This is very important. We will go straight to that. Beautiful. Okay. Because as, as a company evolves, you know, getting them to pay a premium at a point, well, did you get them to pay a premium or did you get them to pay the valuation that the market wasn't giving you? Because every CEO says uh, well, their company's undervalued, right? So you got them to pay, yeah, agree yeah. with you about the valuation is what you did, right? And that's yeah. easy at that point because the money, not a lot of money. It's not a lot of money, right? But you're moving yeah. into big boy territory where you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars and it's a different set of negotiation. And you've got less and less options up there than you maybe did down here. Potentially, you could argue, right? So that's what I'm saying. Are you are you you ready for this fight? Are you have you are you putting the place the pieces in place to be able to have that discussion? Yeah. That is already going on actually. And uh, as I mentioned to you when we did a a, a first round with Bank of America, we got uh, nine candidates and five proposals, okay? Um, and they were one year ago when the lithium was, I would say, at the very bottom. One year ago, the, the lithium market was at the very bottom. Even at the very bottom, we got five proposals to develop the project. Those, this will continue, you know, this will continue. The fight will go on and will accelerate as we finish the feasibility study. That is, as we get to the final, you know, between six and 12 months from now, we will be finishing the feasibility uh, and... Uh, and then at that time, all these will accelerate. But this is still going on right now. Waldo, thank you so much for telling me your story. I was, I was very keen to talk to you. You come highly re uh, regarded. And it's a, it's a lovely story that you've outlined. So I appreciate your time today. Pick up the phone. Stay in touch. Let us know how you get on, okay? Absolutely. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast? or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.